Young man, move out on your own. On this episode, I talk with Pastor Stephen Baker of New Geneva Academy on how a young, red-pilled man can get established in a blue-pilled world. So, join us as we build, fight, protect, and lead. This is the patriarchy. Rise up, for men of God have done with lesser. Rise up, for men of God have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength and serve the King of Kings. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet and trod As brothers of the sun The man rise up for men of God Welcome back to the Patriarchy Podcast. I am here with my dear friend, Stephen Baker. He is a pastor at Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana, and has been married for uh, 29 years, uh, believe it or not. And he has six sons, eight grandchildren, and one on the way. Uh, He is also the dean of New Geneva Academy. And so just because of his experience with many sons and uh, leading a lot of young men. I wanted to have him on the show today to talk about uh, the, the state of young men and an encouragement for young men leaving the home or, or graduating high school and leaving into a, the workforce schooling or something like that. So, Stephen, welcome to the Patriarchy Podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here again. Yes, good to have you again. Uh, Stephen, uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, it seems today, I, I would say, with like statistics like the the birth rate being incredibly low, which uh, is also reflected uh, maybe in the marriage rate. Like uh, the age of marrying is much higher than years previously. You have many men uh, um, seems like just checking out, going their own way, and maybe like a, a whole kind of failure to launch thing. Why do you think uh, that is happening now? And why do you think maybe men are kind of falling behind? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of stuff going on there, obviously. Um, when the uh, when the family breaks down, which the family has been, has been breaking down for a few generations at least, and not just breaking down naturally, but breaking down because it's been uh, attacked. Um, and when that's the case, then this is just what you get. Uh, you get, uh, so not only is the family breaking down in terms of divorce and, and, um, you know, uh, uh, fatherless children and all that kind of stuff. Um, you also have, um, uh, this, this complete attack on basically uh, the foundation of society. And so when that happens, you don't have fathers in the home. You don't have um, uh, any of that modeled. You've got kids who are, who are aimless. You know, all of that stuff is connected, obviously. And it's an, like I said, it's an intentional attack. It's not just a, 
a, a degradation that kind of has happened over time. It's it's an attack on the foundations of society uh, for the purpose, literally, of destroying Western society so that it can re- be replaced with something else. And so that gets into all that, all the stuff, you know, about cultural Marxism and things like that. And I'm sure you've talked about that. If not, you should at some point, because it's, 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 you know, what, what they called at the, back in the 1930s and forties, the long march through the institutions. So the family is destroyed. Uh, the sanctity of marriage is destroyed. Um, the blessing, the whole idea of the blessing of children is destroyed. The whole idea of, um, men being men, women being women, all of that is destroyed. You know, your, your listener is going to hopefully be obviously aware of all that stuff. And so this is what that looks like. It looks like men, um, young men, uh, not knowing which end is up, you know, and, and how to not having many of the men that I know in my church and probably you and yours, the young men, um, many of them had no father um, or had a father that was just a bad father. And the reason their fathers were bad is because they didn't have fathers or had a bad father. It's a, you know, it's a, it almost becomes like um, a genetic, you know, a genetic issue. I don't really mean that genetic literally, but it becomes something gets passed on and on and on. A multi-generational sin. Yeah, exactly. Just keeps, yeah. Um, uh, is there any one generation maybe to blame on this? I know there's this whole kind of movement, at least I see online among young men, that's everything's the boomers fault. They had it great. And, and so it's, it's just all that, that generation fault. What do you, what would you think about that? Well, I would say the boomers parents actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, you know, the, there is something to that because if you take what I just said and think about the the um, the intentional destruction of the West, okay, and so I'm talking about you know the Frankfurt School and the guys who came to the University of Chicago and really um, began this intentional attack on the the Christian roots of the of western society that started happening in the 30s and the 40s Hmm. and so you get you get guys writing about uh you know the whole idea of the sexual revolution that starts in the 50s and the 60s um you know or just that all of that stuff coming you know kind of coming up into its own and those who embraced that um that vision for what society should be, well, they're the boomers. Um, you know, it's the children of the World War II generation. That's what that's who the boomers are. And so the children who are growing up in the 60s, so I don't, I don't mean that in order to disrespect uh, our elders or anything like that in the way that that term is usually used and, and thrown around to disdain anybody who's older than you or anyone who's of that age. That's foolish and really wicked, actually. But I think there are there are certain philosophical and ideological, you know, um, 
assumptions that that, that generation did in fact buy into. They bought into it because it was uh, uh, shoved down their throats in the public schools, in the universities, in the media. Um, and so, of course, they, they grabbed hold of that. And so the ones who did that to them are the ones to blame, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't, as you're saying that, it leads you to more to pity, I yeah. think. Uh, uh, and so... Yeah. Well, well, speaking of pity, when, when, when you talk to someone, a, a young man who had a bad father or, yeah, just think of a, of a young man who had a bad father. And, and when you're talking to that young man and they, they become aware of the fact, finally, they wake up to the fact that they had a bad mm -hmm. father, you know, their first instinct is to despise them, to disrespect them, to dishonor them, to hate them. And to blame all of their problems on 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 dad. And one of the things you have to say to someone like that is you you have to remember um, what your dad had growing up. And usually it's worse. <laughs> Very often it's worse. That the that the you know the that young man's grandfather, um, you know, was probably worse than their dad was. And their dad is explained by the, by the fact of where, you know, they came from. And so you do have to take pity on them and you understand it. you don't, you don't like brush it off and say nothing bad happened here, but you have to understand, you know, that they were working with something, um, you know, they were working with a, 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 a bad deal, <laughs> you know, bad deck of cards and, and young men especially need to have pity on, on that to understand it. That's part of maturity is to see, okay, I, I see the failures of my, of my parents and I don't hate them for it. I, I pity them. I don't pity them like in a, in a superior kind of way, but condescending. I, no. Yeah. But I love them, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I, um, forgive them. <laughs> Yeah. And I think uh, uh, Pastor Tim Bailey uh, book, Daddy Tried, kind of like the, mm -hmm. the idea of like, okay, maybe your dad was just a miserable failure, but I'm sure there were times when he, when he tried yeah. and, and maybe, <laughs> maybe you can look back and honor those things. And, and yeah, and I mean, I, my dad, um, he's dead now, but he, he was, he was a good man in many, many, many ways, but he was also, you know, <laughs> a lot of issues that he passed on to his sons, uh, me and my brothers. And, but then I remember, wait a minute, what kind of dad did my dad? Oh, wait, he didn't have a dad. He was conceived mm -hmm. out of wedlock in the 1940s, you know, born in his grandmother's house in a little little town on the banks of the uh, white river in, in Indiana, tiny little place, um, unwed mother adopt a man came along and adopted him, but he was an awful man, you know, just all this. Uh, then I think, okay, now I can, now I can put all that, you know, all the failures, his failures towards us, I can put into perspective and we love him. You know, we love our dad. Yep. So, and then so, so how then do you recover from that? Like, so obviously I, I, 
you you're try, you're not trying to perpetuate that. No. What? <laughs> so what? <laughs> so like that's the thing you can be bitter i think that's what we're trying to do it feels like you can be bitter at your dad you can have pity on your dad and or or if you had a terrible dad mm -hmm. and but then what do you do then moving forward I, I think a lot of men young men that didn't have dads they're bitter at their dads but they're also like chasing after a dad yeah and and they and they're finding them like in like jordan peterson or andrew oh, yeah. tate or yeah. or something like that and maybe they're not even dads they're more like a the cool brother like you don't need a dad we're we're like the cool kids we can hang out together mm -hmm. kind of thing mm -hmm. so uh i guess I, well, my question we've already kind of answered was why are young men turning to these these people so what what's what's your thoughts on that though like what men turning well, to andrew tate and that kind yeah of well, before I answer that, the other side of that is just to become a, a completely passive victim. Mm. So this that's that's the uh, the route that I think a lot of men took for for a good while. A lot of men coming out of broken homes or bad situations or dads who didn't teach them what they should have and all that kind of stuff, they end up being um, passive, um, you know, weak. Um, a victim, you know, it's all just about the whole victim mentality. So, th so what I think we're seeing now with Tate and Peterson, all those guys, is the is a backlash against all of that. So we rightly don't want to be victims. We don't want to live like you know. I'm just well. What can I do about it? My dad. This is how I was raised. You don't understand. You know, I'm just the victim here. And what am I supposed to do? And the you know, it's all his fault. You know, and all that kind of stuff. So. That's evil, you know, and bad. And then so to react against that is, wait a minute, I'm going to do something about this. And so like with most things, when you're reacting against something, you overreact or you go, in a, you go from one ditch to another, which mm -hmm. is what we do. And then, and so it becomes this, uh, you know, this um, caricature of, what true godly manhood looks like. And of course, neither of those guys have anything to do with godliness. Mm -hmm. um, Tate and Peterson or Pat, yeah, Peterson. Um, but it's like, I think it's a, it's a reaction. And, and the fact is they still, we still don't have those men don't have fathers. Now you could say um, that's probably a better, you know, if, if you're going to take one pick, have to pick one or the other, that's the one you want. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you, you don't want men in the ditch. Uh, you don't want men, in, want men in either ditch. The ditch of passive victim um, weakness. But you also don't want them in the other ditch of whatever it is that they're getting over there. But that is a better ditch. <laughs> because those guys, at least, you know, if they're reading Peterson, at least they're making their bed, for pity's sake. <laughs> They're making their bed and they're, they're maybe stop playing video games or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And yeah. of course that's a better, that's a better thing. But to, to think that that is what godly manhood is, is like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a counterfeit it's a substitute and it has nothing to do with Christ. Yeah. Cause there's a whole lot of things like you can actually learn from them. I think that it can be helpful, but the, the, their, their means or, or sorry, their end goal is, to me, it's very unsatisfying. The yeah. end goal is like improve yourself, but for what end? 
I guess so I could have a bunch of money or sleep with a lot of women yeah. or, or make myself look filled with muscles. But like what those, those things are not necessarily bad, but to me, they're more of a means to an end than the end themselves. It all, it's all curved in on itself. You know what I mean? It's, it's all very self-focused. I was, I think of uh, Colossians two, where he says, um, you know, uh, don't be, uh, captured by these, uh, philosophies, you know, that the empty deceit, the philosophies that, that depend on, or are according to the tradition of men or according to the elementary spirits of the world or the elementary, elementary principles of the world. So you kind of think of doctrines of demons and all that kind of stuff rather than according to Christ. Right. So they're, the problem with all the philosophies that are um, that are out there, including Tate and Peterson and all those guys, they are according to the tr- tradition of men, um, the elemental principles of the world, and they don't have anything to do with Christ. And the thing about Peterson, I mean, so this is going to be a little weird here for a second, but <laughs> now that I think about it, the thing about uh, Jordan Peterson is he's his, his you know, his... Um, mentor for lack of a better term that his uh you know who he looks to (laughs) is is young carl Jung. and carl Jung, he was a uh, you know psychologist and he got all of his many of his insights and and um content you know his his ideas he got from a spirit a spirit Hmm. You can read all about it. He talks about it everywhere. He 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 was channeling a spirit who um, who gave him his content, right? His ideas, and that's and and I, I say that to people about Jordan Peterson, and they just like they just don't care. It's like, well, so what? It's like, dude, read Colossians, right? Mm-hmm. These philosophies, these these hollow, deceptive philosophies that come from the traditions of men and the elemental spirits of the world and not from Christ. And, and somehow that's going to be good for you. And, and, you know, Paul, he, he says, he just warns us against this. Um, let me read. Let me, let, let, you're going to read it, but while you're doing it, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Yeah. I'll play the spirit's advocate here. Okay. All right. Well, I like what they are doing better than what you're not doing. Like, I like, at least they are teaching me and instructing me. And the church is just ate up with feminism and mm-hmm. passive men who aren't teaching me anything. Yeah. So well, read your, read the text and then maybe answer my objection. Well, <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> and I don't, I don't at all. And uh, here's, so yeah, here's the answer. Okay. Um, he talks, this, this is Colossians 2. The apostle Paul talks about, he wants his, the people, the Colossians, um, to attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All right. So in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he says down just a few verses later, see to it 
that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ, it, it is our duty to not be taken captive. So you can't say, you know, there, there aren't only two options here. The, the two options are not passive, weak, feminized, church, you know, all that kind of stuff, or, uh, you know, being being uh, taken captive through philosophy and empty deception. There, there is another option, and it is according to Christ. And then he says, for in him, in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you've been made complete. That's something that young men without dads need to hear or with weak dads. It's not about your dad. In Christ, you are made complete. Everything you need, right? Mm -hmm. He is the head over all rule and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your trans and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. I, I could just keep reading. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah. because, you know, um, who, who are you? When, when young, young men who don't have fathers, this is not something new. This is not something uniquely modern. Um, the Roman world was filled with men who were bastards, who didn't have fathers, or whose fathers would not own them. Um, you know, Timothy himself, right, was a man who's, who's raised by his his mommy and his grandmommy. We know this from scripture. His dad is never mentioned. His dad is a Greek. He's a Gentile. He's an unbeliever. He's raised to know the true and living God through the scriptures by his grandmother and his mother. And the apostle Paul says to him, Timothy, don't be timid. Why does he, why does he always tell him that? Because he's just a guy like us who, who was raised with a bad dad or an absent dad or some, there's obviously some kind of disconnect. So he says, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of love and self-control and a, and a sound mind. And it's all rooted in Christ. That's my point. Uh, the answer is not, okay, the church isn't giving it to me. Well, you have the Bible. We have the Bible. We have Scripture. We're not allowed to, to disregard Scripture, to walk headlong, willfully into the clutches, the chains of a philosophy and an empty deception that will take us captive because we don't like weak men. That, that, that is not a good option. You know what I'm saying? The, the point is, we've mm -hmm. Christ gives us everything we need. Um uh, scripture gives us everything we need. Yes, we need to find um, churches and uh, men who will who will help us with this stuff. But we're very close, you know. 
that teeter-totter, that, that jumping ditches between blaming everyone else and then running to, you know, running out of that ditch and running into some kind of perverse form of masculinity. You know, it's just the same thing, flipping back and forth, flipping back and forth. So I'm now I'm going to say, no, it's not my dad's fault. It's the church's fault. I'm just going to blame the church. No, you have to, uh, the answer to the original question, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> yeah. God puts this on us. Every individual, every young man who grows, who grew up without a dad or with a bad dad or whatever the situation was, or in a church that never taught him this stuff, the answer is not to play the victim. The answer is to do what God tells me to do. And what he tells me here is don't do that. Don't run over there to Tate and Peterson because um, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's hollow and deceptive. You know, you ever get one of those... Um, Easter, Easter bunnies when you're a kid. Yeah. 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 It looks like three pounds of chocolate. <laughs> and then it's and you're like, Oh yeah, I got it. I yeah. landed the, the big thing. And then it's empty. It's hollow and deceptive. It's just like, it looks great. It looks great on the outside. You go, you just go just barely skin deep into inside those men and their systems. Nothing there for you. Yep. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I want Andrew Tate, the Muslim criminal? Really? Or I want, uh, and, you know, uh, not Andrew Peterson, Jordan Peterson, <laughs> the, uh, the youngian? That's what I, that's what I'm going to settle for. It's just, it's insane. All right. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. That was a rant. I just got on. A rant. <laughs> it was a good one. Um, let me, uh, you, you've kind of hit a lot of the questions I was going to ask. So you're, you just, yeah, you're getting through there. Okay. Well, let's, uh, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit more with you. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So. But you just don't understand how tough it is. And <laughs> and you don't <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh it's not a very good devil. But, uh, <laughs> but you don't understand how tough it is, Stephen, and how uh I want to do all these things, and these are the only guys giving me any kind of practical stuff. Well, you could talk about uh, Jesus and, and spiritual things, but how is that helping me in my practical life? Uh, how about, um, make it your ambition to live a quiet life, work with your own hands, you know, so you don't need anything yeah. from anybody. That's, that's a, that's a very spiritually sounding thing. That's, that's Paul. Uh, you who's the one who steals, let him steal no longer, but rather let him labor with his own hands. So he has something to share with, has enough for himself and to share with those who are in need. That's pretty practical. Um, young men be sober minded. That's pretty practical. You know, um, I mean, the fact is the Bible is filled with incredibly practical, not advice, but commands. 
to young men. Mm-hmm. It's just filled with it. And it's not just about, you know, getting, having nice fuzzy thoughts about nice fuzzy things, you know, and uh, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about, look, get your life in order. Uh, stop being lazy. Work. You know, um, kill your sin. Discipline yourself. That's what that's what we have. That's that's what we have in Christ. He gives us the ability to do those things. He he lays it out. It's better than make your bed. It's kill your sin. <laughs> kill your sin. Walk in newness of life. You know what I mean? And it's um. So no, I I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. God has given us what we need. He we do not need Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate and all the rest of them. He has given us what we need. We have Christ. We have scripture. That doesn't mean we sit in little cloisters and, you know, knit doilies while we think about theology or some stupid gay thing <laughs> like that. You know, we, we, we he gives us work to do. And we don't need uh, those godless men to tell us how to do it. They have no help for us. Now, let me say this. All right. If you're in a... The fact is, it's just not true. Um, I know that there are bad churches out there, but whoever is listening to us right now <laughs> clearly can't say what, you know, the devil's advocate just said. Oh, you don't understand. I don't have men who can. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. They're they're out there, you know, and and um, latch hold of them. Latch hold of them and, and listen to them. And when they tell you, you know what, you don't need that, actually believe them because God gave you a man who says you don't need that. If you, and if, you know, if, if you're taking all this seriously and, and you say, well, God, no men tell me what to do. Yeah, here's a man telling you what to do. Don't do that. <laughs> yep. So if Joseph is your pastor, listen to him. And then, and then if I'm not your pastor, go find your pastor and yes. listen to your pastor. Yes. And if yes. you can't, maybe what I say is I don't like to tell people to leave their church, but if your pastor is not someone you can talk to, well, I get, what I would say probably to that is, first of all, your pastor probably is somebody you can talk to. Yes. You need to go talk you, to him. You haven't tried. You, you haven't, haven't tried. tried. Yeah. But let's say you've exhausted all avenues. Well, then why are you there? there there's got to be someplace better in your in your town or you can move or something. Yeah. 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 And that gets to the other, you know, that's just a whole nother deal of, you know, I mean, if, if it literally is true that there, and, and I think, I think we're in a point where a lot of people latch on to things that are secondary or tertiary things at best and insist on having that thing. And, or else they don't have a good church. You know, it could be eschatology, it could be baptism, it could be all these things. That like, oh no, if they, if my pastor, you know, said one little thing that I disagree with on those issues, why well, I just, I just don't think I can sit under this preaching anymore. That's just a load of nonsense. Um, there are lots of good and godly men who don't agree with everything that you hold dear. You know, that we hold dear. And, and there's a lot of help out there. Um, 
So young men can't be picky like that. There, there are things more important than eschatology, for example. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think it's whether... important. But there, there are things that, you know, if you're in a town where, uh, you know, there is no there is no perfect church for you, well, shame on you. Because what that means is you have elevated all kinds of things above the actual essential things. The essential things are the gospel, fellowship, and pastoral care. You know? And there's a lot of churches out there who, who are faithful in those things. They just don't check all the boxes of all the things that I learned on the internet, so they can't be good. And that's just that's just a load of crap. I, uh, I've been preaching through First Samuel, and something that struck me was, uh, oh shoot, uh, uh, Samuel's father and mother kept going to Shiloh. Yeah, kept participating in the church <clears throat> when Eli's sons Hophni and Phineas were like they were straight up wicked. Yeah. Pastors. Yeah, no like doubt. They, 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 none of us or very few of us have experienced pastors or shepherds like them. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, Elkanah and Hannah still went and participated in the with the pe- God's people in the presence of God. And they're and, and they're exalted as in the in the passage as as faithful because of that. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think in That's our day, great. you don't have any, you don't have you don't have to sit under a Hophni and a Phineas, uh, men who are sleeping around and, and doing all that wickedness. Fleecing there are options. Right. Yeah, we have options. Yeah, But oftentimes we take a, a good man and because he doesn't agree with us on family integrated worship or, or you name it. And yeah. then, yeah. It's, it's, it's shameful. Well, uh, Let's change direction slightly. We're going to stay on the same topic, but let's say, okay, there's a young man who agrees with us. One of the things we, you and I recently talked about is you think that when a man turns 18, he's a man, that he needs to move out and, and get on his own. So that's, let's talk about that. Okay. Let's, all right. Let's, well, let's get into that. I, I, first of all, before we, let me preface all of that with this. Um, I don't think that there's like a one size fits all um, system. You know what I mean? We, we want our systems. We love there to be systems, especially when we've grown up without any kind of sense of normal or, or right or stable. We're always like trying to find the, the perfect little trick, the perfect system of, of things that I have to do. And if I do them, then my kids are going to turn out right. And so, I don't want there to be any idea that that's what I'm saying here. Okay. Um, we had, we had six boys, four of them were grown and out of the house, all four of them in our context, in our family, we thought it was best that they needed to get out and, and, um, launch, you know, you talked about failure to launch. Well, one of the things that you can do to prevent failure to launch is to push the launch button. (laughs) <laughs> as a dad, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and, and, and listen, uh, all, every, all four of those of our older boys, we have two, two younger ones that are still at home, but all the four older ones, uh, they did not like, you know, that wasn't some majestic, beautiful, perfect 
you know, launch off into the sunset of, um, of godly perfection. They had all kinds of, uh, falls and failures, um, you know, and, and issues that they, that they landed on their face. Uh, all of them worked. They, they all found jobs immediately and did good work. And that's, you know, one of the things that I learned from my dad, um, and we were talking about my dad a minute ago, you know, he had all kinds of weaknesses. Uh, he became a Christian late in life, long after I had left the home. Thank God he did become, he came to faith. I think a genuine conversion, just, uh, just wonderful. Um, but, you know, all kinds of failures, all kinds of sins on my dad's part, but he taught us how to work. And my sons learned how to work. And I attribute that to my dad. <laughs> it's one of those good things that gets passed down. And so when they left home, they, they didn't think twice. I mean, they worked, they worked their tails off and they still to this day work their tails off. Um, but they had all kinds of other sins. <laughs> uh, you know, some of my sons have been excommunicated from, from their churches, you know, or disciplined in other ways. And that's exactly what they needed. Um, very tempting as a dad, uh, and a mom really to try to, um, you know, protect your kids from their, from their failures and their sins. Very tempting, strongly tempting to do that, attempted to do that. Um, and what, what our kids need, the last thing in the world we need to do as parents is to protect our kids from the church. Okay. You can't protect your kids from the church. They need the church. They need other men and your daughters need women, uh, rebuking them, uh, teasing them, teasing them. Your, your boys need to be teased. And if you get all precious with, with, you know, with and angry at men, because they teased your boy for something that he needed to be teased about. <laughs> That's what men do. <laughs> and you get all precious and you get angry and you're, you know, you just ruined your, your son. I mean, you just contributed to the ruin of your son because now he can't take, he takes himself so seriously that when a man teases him about something that, you know, that really is funny, I don't mean heartless and cruel stuff. I mean, the kind of stuff that men do. And if you protect your son from that, then, then you've, you, you're just setting him up for, for a bad life. Um, you're making him brittle and he's going to yeah. break. And yeah. so you can't protect him from the world. You can't protect him. Well, you can't protect him from the church. When the church disciplines your children, you step back and you say, thank God. And this could be, you know, when they're little and running through the church and, and someone else says, hey, you know, don't run in here. Thank God, you know, or if they, they're older and, and someone sees, you know, your son and some girl in there like, yeah, hey, hey, stop that. You know, thank God. We don't want to protect them from the church. We don't want to protect them from uh, their, their teachers. This is one reason why this is one good thing that comes from having children not 
just always homeschooled, especially when they're older, is they need to they need to deal with authorities that aren't mom and dad. That's the life they're going to live. They're going to be in the world dealing with authorities that aren't mom and dad, and 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 the boss is not going to understand that you know little Johnny didn't sleep well last night, and so. Well, maybe we'll just, we won't do school. We won't do work today. I know things are a little hard for you. Let's just have a fun day, you know? No, no, dude, do your schoolwork, you know? Um, so you've got the church. You can't protect them from the consequences, you know, of, of their failures in at, at uh, school. You can't protect them from the consequences of their failure in the world. And this is, this is really the thing you're talking about, but it's all connected. So when, when a kid, when he, let's just say with, we're dealing especially with young men, when a young man um, grows up, and in our culture, you know, you're, you're a man when you're 18, at least legally. <laughs> uh, of course, back in the old days, it was much younger than that. Um, but when you're 18, you know, you're free to, you know, devote to, own stuff and uh, you know all all the stuff that we associate with with adulthood um, and if we are so fearful that our sons will fail that we keep propping them up with cushions and supports and safety nets and then that just continues through their life um, we know we know how that works out when we look at society and see this all this that like nothing but safety net you know there's and the welfare state and all that kind of stuff we we would all agree that that's bad but it's okay when we do it so it's bad when the government does it but somehow it's okay when we do it that's how we often think um we're gonna you know protect our children from failure and from the consequences of failure and that's that's just bad for them um, so anyway, in our in our home, we 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 from the time our kids were young, we would we built into them the idea and the expectation. We didn't spring this on them, you know, the day before their 18th birthday. We didn't kick them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just built into the culture of our home. Hey, when you're 18, guess what you get to do? You get to go out there on your own get a job, find a place to live, pay your bills, take care of your car, you know, find a wife and build your own family. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And they're like, yeah, yeah. You know, so we, we raised them to think that way. And again, they made all kinds of mistakes. Uh, some of them grave, but we can't, we can't parent, um, we can't, we, we can't raise our kids out of fear. We can't do it. Um, if we, if we, and we had, I, I think even with everything that I've said, I would say my wife and I failed at that in some ways. We, there are some ways in which we overprotected our, our boys in a way that um, often it happens, you know, they, they like, once that is gone, there's, there's some figuring out of life that they have to do on their own that they might have been able to do sooner if we hadn't protected them as much, mm. if that makes sense. Well, uh, let me, uh, 
So you've kind of come at this from the, the parent perspective. How about from the son perspective? That's let's talk to a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe his parents are not doing what you're doing there, but they're, they're overprotecting. What would you, how would you encourage young men to deal with that? Maybe, uh, uh, parents that kind of dote on them and, and well, Uh, I would say it's on you. I don't mean you. <laughs> young <laughs> man. It's on you, young man. Listen, we, God, God commands parents to, to do certain things, right? He commands fathers to do certain things, to raise up our children, to fear the Lord, um, uh, not to, uh, you know, to, to, um, exacerbate or uh, that's not the word what's the word the scripture uses um provoke your children yeah that's the word don't provoke your children to anger right yeah he commands us he commands us to discipline them so he commands us what to do we fail at it that's on us he commands children what to do. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Young men, be sober-minded. Work with your hands. Find work. You know, don't be lazy. Um, uh, don't be impure. You know, all the stuff. Uh, that's on you. Your dad can't do that for you. Your dad can't, um, you know, make you those things somehow he your dad does his job he's going to fail at it he has failed at it he will fail at it uh your dad being a failure of whatever sort your dad is a failure of some sort right um but your dad being a failure does not somehow remove everything that god says to you same thing with husbands and wives you know Uh, my wife doesn't respect me therefore i don't have to love her my husband doesn't love me therefore i don't have to respect him (laughs) No, we stand, we stand individually before God and, and young man, you stand individually before God. Even if you have no father, even if you have the worst father, even if you have a coddling mother who wants to make life easy for you in order for that to work, you have to want it to work. In other words, the only reason your mother coddles you is because you want to be coddled. A young man who doesn't want to be coddled by his mom, guess what? He ain't coddled by his mom. It's just, how would that work? How do you coddle a young man who's sober-minded, diligent, hardworking, godly, and who wants to do hard things? How do you, how do you even, how do you, how does a mom coddle that? That's impossible. You know what I mean? She can try, but how is that going to work? Mm-hmm. So if you are coddled, it's because you want to be. You know, if you're pampered, it's because you you like that. Um, now, moms shouldn't pamper their sons. It's the worst thing in the world they can do for their sons. One of the worst things in the world. The other worst thing in the world that a mom can do is, is uh, disrespect her son. and belittle him (laughs) but those two things kind of go hand in hand yeah you know to be coddled as a young man is to be disrespected 
you know, it's usually this, both of them come at the same time, you know, on one hand, because she don't respect you. That's why she calls you. That's right. Oh, I got to take care of you. You're, you, you can't, you know, oh, let me handle that. What do you mean? Let me, you know, what if a young, young man says, mom, no, I, I got this. It's okay. You don't have to tell me to clean my room. You don't have to come in and wash my socks. I'm going to do it myself. You know, just, there's all kinds of ways where that can, where that cycle can be, and doesn't have to be disrespectful. Hmm. But the, but the bottom line is it's on you, a young man to, to, to be, you're hearing, if you're hearing this, you know, then you know what you need to do. This isn't somehow new to you. You know what you need to do. And you need to, uh, even if your parents are trying to protect you, you need to work it in such a way that um, you get free of that. And again, not, not in disrespect or dishonoring your parents. Okay, well, um, I kind of want to hit one more uh, avenue about this, which is, again, kind of changing the subject slightly. Is uh, and this, uh, I wanted you to be able to talk about. For one, you have a program at the pastor's college that you're a dean of that might be of interest to young men. And so, what what would you say about? So you've talked about leaving the the uh, the home, starting work. What do you think about college for a young mm -hmm. man, yeah. or or is maybe a man's feeling called into ministry, that kind of thing? Where, where right. would you? advice with that well again uh, like i said earlier there is no one size fits all program you know system or you know uh, our kids are different each man is different um and some some kids uh should go to college that's just as clear as you you, you know there are things that there are trades there are honorable professions and trades and and work that you can't you can't enter into without certain kinds of training. And some of that is academic. Some of those fields are academic. Um, uh, you know, if you want to be a doctor, you're going to have to go to school. <laughs> you're going to be a lawyer. You're going to have to go to school. It's hard work, really hard work. If you're going to be an accountant, you know, there are all, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, uh, you need some kind of there, there are certain fields where you have to go to college in order to do the work. That's just how it is. That doesn't mean that everyone should go to college. So, you know, there's a... You so you're, you're not saying that everybody should just do trade skills? No, I mean, I'm that not. Seems to be the, that seems to be the thing now, right? That's what everybody's supposed to do is trade skills. Well, uh, you know, again, that's a backlash. Uh, and I'm all for the trades. My four older sons are in the trades or have, you know, one is now uh, learning to fly a helicopter, but he was in the army before that. And before that he was an electrician. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm for that. Um, what happened was um, what happened in, in kind of modern Western higher education in America, certainly is that um, instead of being an education uh, college became trade school. It's just that it didn't have anything to do with your hands. <laughs> it was, you know, the white collar trade school. Um, and, you know, then people started saying, well, wait a minute, this is this isn't working out how I thought it would work out. I got this degree in something and I'm not doing that at all. And it costs so much and I was in debt and it's just a racket. And 
you know, and, and I'm not making anything and I'm in debt, massive student debt. And, and I'm glad that, that uh, people are waking up to that. I'm glad that young men are waking up to that um, because it's true. And um, that whole system is just, has a lot wrong with it, you know. Uh, but that um, that doesn't mean that college in and of itself is wrong in every case or that every man should learn a trade. I think every man should learn a trade, but some trades require your brain. Um, and it's work. <laughs> when I do brain work, which I do a lot, I'm much more exhausted than if I had worked, uh, you know, on a, on a job site all day. And I've done both. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard work. Um, what, what we don't want is the idea that, um, you know, the old idea was you can't get a good job unless you go to college. And that's just patently false. Um, you know, my, my sons have, have good jobs, zero debt, you know, and, um, they're going to, they're, they're going to be making more money than, than a lot of people who went to college and have the debt to pay off. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think that every, I think it, 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 it has to do with aptitude, you know, fathers need to be able to discern what the gifts and abilities are of their children, not try to not have a cookie cutter thing that, well, all my boys are electricians or all my boys are carpenters or all, you know, whatever, you know, that's just not how it is. That's an, that, that, that is, um, I think leads to provoking your children and especially your sons to anger. If you put them all in the same box and you single out the one who's different from you, you know what I'm saying? That, that just gets mm -hmm. poisonous real quick. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me end with this. I, I do think, um, regardless of what young men do, if they go into the trades, uh, whatever, or if they're planning on going into the trades, even in, while they're in high school, um, uh, they need to be educated regardless. And so that's, that's something else entirely. There's job training and there's education. Education is not job training. At least it didn't used to be. Education is learning about uh, yourself, learning about the world that God made, learning about the history of the world that God made, learning about the advance of God's kingdom in the world, starting from creation, learning about, okay, when, when I read Shakespeare, <laughs> you know, because we all read Shakespeare, when I read Shakespeare, I can actually understand what in the world he's talking about, because I know, you know, all the, the, the stuff he's interacting with. When I read Calvin, I get to understand what he's actually talking about because I know the stuff that he's interacting with. But you can't do that unless you're educated. And so, so I think every man should be educated. That's what I actually think. We shouldn't be ignorant. Uh, it does not serve the kingdom of God well at all if men forget education forget any kind of higher education, go straight into the trades and um, don't read, don't think, 
don't argue and communicate, don't have anything to give their kids because they don't have anything to give them when it comes to expanding, you know, their vision of what the world that God has made, how interesting it is. Education really just flows out of, real education flows out of a godly curiosity that is fascinated, endlessly fascinated with the world that God made because the world that God made is endlessly fascinating. And if, and if you don't have that, you need to get it. If, if your kids don't have that, if they think that education is boring, well, you gave them the wrong teachers and maybe that teacher was you, you know, or mom <laughs> or whoever. What, we want our kids to, to look at the world and say, this is amazing. I, I can't imagine leaving high school and not continuing my education because, man, the one thing I learned in high school is there is that I know nothing. There's so much that I need to learn that's just fascinating. And not because it's going to make me necessarily, you know, quote unquote, a better electrician, but it'll make you a better man, whatever your trade is. We are men. Um, we're not worker bees. We don't exist just to, just to do work. We exist to work for sure, but we exist to work as, you know, uh, little atoms, um, who, who beautify and, and rule and subdue and, and fill and, and make culture. Does that make sense? And so what we're, one of the things we're doing at New Geneva Academy, we just started starting this, starting, uh, this month, uh, on August 22nd, <laughs> our first class of a new program that we're, we're doing called the groundwork program. And, um, it, it's, it serves two purposes. One of the purposes is it gives, uh, men who, so, um, because so many men are, have been going into the trades and don't have bachelor's degrees. And yet a lot of these men are actually thinking, Oh wait, I think I'm called to the ministry. So in a traditional seminary, you'd have to go and get a bachelor's degree and then get your MDiv. And we have an MDiv at new Geneva. That's our main program. But now we're starting a bachelor of divinity program so that if you don't have an undergrad degree, you can be trained to be a pastor in our presbytery, in Evangel Presbytery, uh, our Book of Church order requires only a Bachelor of Divinity to be ordained as a pastor. Does not require an MDiv. And so we were providing that. So some men who have gone into the trades, now thinking, I should actually, I, I feel God's call on me. The church has confirmed this. I need to be trained for the ministry. You know, they can come and, and do that. The first year of that four-year program for the bachelor students is called the Groundwork Year, and it basically gives them an education of the history of the West, the history of the victory of Christ, uh, starting from creation, moving through the ancient world, up into the to the West, to the Roman world, to you know the Christ coming, um, uh, crushing you know the kingdoms of men as as Daniel saw in his dream in, in Daniel two building his kingdom, how this all is just working according to God's plan. And the way that works out is in culture. It works out in, in works of art, uh, philosophy, theology, buildings, architecture, music, 
films, you know, all that stuff, it, it works out and it falls apart in, in for everyone to see through all of that. And so that year is going to be like an intensive study of, of the victory of Christ through all of that from creation to, to our present day. That also, that one year program also exists uh, as a standalone year that uh, anyone can take, men and women alike. Uh, it's great for, you know, someone getting out of high school, don't know what they want to do with their life. Well, here, take a year and study and actually get educated. You know, you're going to be a, a um, you're going to operate, uh, you know, heavy machinery. Great. Take a year and get educated. <laughs> so you can do that as an educated man. So you can be an educated man going into whatever your trade is. Um, women who, you know, want to be mothers, young women getting out of high school. What am I going to do? Do I go off to college? Do I get into debt and do all this stuff and try to work for a degree? Well, you can, you can do that. But, you know, young women getting degrees just as a placeholder because they, they don't have anything better to do is just not a good idea because you bring debt into the marriage and all that kind of stuff. But if you, there are good things, good trades you can learn uh, by many ways. But one thing you could do is get educated. You know, have something under your belt that you can pass on to your children. Um, so that's the ground, the groundwork program. Very excited and about that, it. And that that's that's done online, right? That's how. That's... Yeah, you can be anywhere. You could be anywhere in the world, I guess. Technically, as long as you uh, you can work because it's live. You have to deal with time zones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. But yeah, we have early. teachers uh, all over. We've got you know a teacher, one of our main teachers for that program is in Pennsylvania. Another one's in Idaho. I'm here in Indiana, and we got a few here in, in Bloomington who are going to be teaching in it. But these are men who really know their stuff and love Jesus and the kingdom of God uh, and understand <laughs> what's really going on. It's not just like a a lot of the programs out there that deal with the same kind of material. It's really just kind of, you know, trivia time about, you know, a lot of interesting, disconnected, random facts about the ancient world and that kind of thing. That's just not what we're doing. We're, I've never seen any program like what we're, we're about to do um, that is explicitly, thoroughly Christian and literally Christ-centered. It really is. The whole point of the program is Christ is the center of the world, the center of history, Everything flows to him and flows from him. And um, even if you had a classical education in high school, this will be different. This will be different. It's going to be really great. When's the when's the last time somebody can sign up to that this semester? What's the what's the latest? Class starts on the twenty second, uh, which is a Tuesday. It's it's a uh, it's hard. It's going to be hard. <laughs> this is not for wimps. So they're going to meet. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights for about two and a half hours a night with a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Okay. This isn't just a little, you know, budget basement kind of thing. This is, this is going to be hard work. Um, so we start meeting on the 22nd of August. August. And so whatever the Friday is before that, I'd happy to have applications up till then. It just doesn't, it's fine. Uh, because right. so you're gonna, you're gonna we would have... love to fill that thing up with, with students. So you will have, will you say the 22nd? We start on the 22nd. 
All right. When this thing comes out, man, you got five or six days. Get signed up, man. NewGenevaAcademy.com is where you go for that. It's the groundwork program. You can't miss it up on the programs, the yeah. study page. Now, in terms and, of pastors, do you, do you want me yeah. to talk about that a little bit? If, if you're yeah, I was young, about to. If you're a young man who feels the call to the ministry, first and foremost, um, you need to submit to your elders and pastors on that. This is not a private decision that you get to make. Um, uh, Jesus built the church. We submit to the church. We submit to the judgment of the church. Um, this is why all through, you know, in the, in the pastoral epistles, it, it, there is a, there is a um, qualification. If anyone desires the work, it's a good thing he desires to do. So you have to desire to do it. But then there's all this other stuff that is not subjective at all. It's, it's very objective. You've, you've got to be this kind of man. You've got to be able to do this kind of stuff. And we are n almost never a good judge about those things we, because we, we, we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, especially young men. You've not been tested, you know. Um, you, you probably, you know, maybe you, you don't have a wife. You don't have children. One of, the, one of the qualifications is ruling your household. You don't have a household. You live in your, your, your mama's basement, you know. And, but you're going to be a preacher. Well, maybe <laughs> so submit yourself to the to the uh the wisdom and the 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 eyeballs of your of your pastors and elders number one and if you do that and maybe they'll say well okay let's let's see how about we we put you under the yoke here's something you need to do here's some work you need to do um and you just submit to that you know here Here's some toilets you need to clean. Here's a here's a, a, a two-year-old class you need to teach. Oh no, I, I no, you understand. I want to be a pastor. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so clean some toilets. Show yourself to be a, a, a humble servant of the church. Yeah. Wax your pastor's car. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Yeah. <laughs> And then see what happens and then get yourself trained uh, under the oversight and with the with the help of your church, especially. And that's what, you know, here I am plugging NGA, of course, that's what we do. Um, we would never accept a man who came to us and said, hey, I believe I'm called to be a pastor and I'm going to take your program. And and we're just OK, fine. Sign, you know, sign on the dotted line and and give us your money and whatever, you know, when you graduate, whatever. That's just not what we do. Um we, we, uh, you know, are, we work with the church and we, we want only men whose pastors and elders have confidence in them and men who, uh, appear to be, um, gifted and called, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're training. And, um, and, and it's intense. It's a little different than, than what most, the way most most seminaries do it. We have entrance exams that are uh, not really about academics. They're about character and, and kind of the details of your life. Cause that's what we're actually going to be focusing on. <laughs> Any man who's been through our interview process would, would understand what that's like, uh, but it's good. You know, if this is what you want, 
um, you could, you could, you know, leave home and go off to seminary. You can get some online thing. You could not have to ever look anyone in the eye as they challenge you in your sin or encourage you, you know, you could, you could do that and, and say, and go find a church somewhere. But, you know, wisdom is, uh, is, is made known by your fruit. So. Well, hey, brother, I, I think uh, I would encourage all of our, my listeners to check out New Geneva Academy. If, if you're called to be, a, if you feel called to be a pastor, get with your pastor and elders and then have them and yourself reach out to New Geneva. Even if you're not called to be a pastor, check out that uh, Groundworks class. And I mm-hmm. think uh, we have one more pro- new new thing that I wanted. I forgot to mention. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, a, we have a certificate program, and this is for men for men only uh, who do not aspire to be pastors. Uh, it could be you aspire to be a, an elder, a lay elder in the church. It could be that you just want to learn uh, and build your own knowledge and faith. And that is also a, a new program that's open to men only. Um, because it assumes leadership, um, you know, that you'll be leading in some capacity could just be in your home. Um, so it's a, it's a reduced program. It's not the full MDiv. Um, we would need a letter of recommendation from your pastor for that, but not the full interview process. It's kind of a neat, a neat new program that I think will, will be really helpful to churches. So, uh, you can look up, that's all on the website too. So, all right. What's that website? Uh, NewGenevaAcademy.com. NewGenevaAcademy.com. Yep. Well, uh, brother, I appreciate you coming on the show today. I think we've uh, given our listeners a lot to think about. And uh, if uh, if they, other than going to your website, they want to get a hold of you, ask some follow-up questions, how do they do that real quick? Uh, you can email me. Um, you just want me to give my email address? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Go that ahead. cool? So it's uh, S. Baker. S is in Stephen, S B A K E R, at Trinity Reformed.org. So that's, right. my, that's my church email, and that works just fine. So S Baker at Trinity Reformed.org. And then your mailing address and credit card number. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that interview. It's a blessing and a pleasure to have Pastor Stephen Baker on the show with us. Uh, Pastor Stephen has been a great help and a great friend to not only myself, but also to the church I pastor, Sovereign King Church. He has been a support with us from the very beginning, and uh, we really appreciate him. If you're interested in hearing more about New Geneva Academy, head on over to newgenevanacademy.com. Find more about how you can get uh, involved in all the different kind of coursework they have. Not only if you're looking to enter into pastoral ministry, especially go there if you're doing that. There's training for that. But also, if you're just a young man, you want to get established and you want to learn more about your own Western heritage and how you can help pass that on, go there, sign up for their courses. I think you got a few days to get going in this current semester, but even if you miss, go there, get it checked in, get looked to it, and then sign up for the next semester. NewGenevaAcademy.com. So until next time, If you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, what in the world are you waiting on? How did you make it this far through this podcast without that? Well, no excuses. Today's the day. Repent and believe. And if you have... 
Well, then here is my call to you. Build, fight, protect, and lead. This is The Patriarch.